Gaba Gaba, all you pinheads, and welcome to another episode of the Talk Louder podcast. Hit that subscribe button on our YouTube channel. Leave us your likes and comments. You can also leave likes and comments on our Facebook page and follow us on iTunes and Spotify. I'm Metal Dave, along with my co-host, Jason McMaster. Gaba Gaba, hey. Gaba Gaba, hey. And if you didn't pick up on the clue uh, during my intro segment here, we are talking today about the Ramones, but not just talking about the Ramones. We are joined by a special guest who was in the inner circle of the Ramones for 22 years. This guy drove the van. He made sure the band got paid. He was there for the ups, the downs, the craziness, the insanity, the dysfunction. Um, I mean, the guy deserves a medal just for doing that and he made it happen for 22 years and he kept the Ramones on the road for 22 years and Jason as a touring musician yourself I'm sure you can appreciate what a Herculean task it must be for one man to do that job with the same band for that many years well he also ran sound for the band for in the early years and actually, you know, helped them in the studio. He helped the crew get to the gig. He helped not, not just the band get to the gig. He, he made sure everything happened. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the people that he's making sure they get, you know, they do their job correctly. It's like, you know, put it this way. The road crew, the drum tech, the guitar tech, whoever it is, even if it's just a bunch of buddies you take out on the road to drive the gear truck well they have to get there on time yeah right he yeah. makes sure that that's happening so here's another aspect too is like all of those people helping the show happen at all they almost need to know the material can you imagine the light guy doesn't know the songs <laughs> see what yeah. i'm trying to say yeah for and for an effective rock show you know, a good LD lighting director, they need to know the songs. Yeah. So Monty is like trickle, it's trickle down, you know, like yeah. Monty probably knows the songs as good as the band, as good as the drum tech should, as good as the guitar tech should. So to be able to say that we have Monty on Talk Louder podcast today is like, to me, it's like having steve jones from the sex pistols on talk louder it's, it's huge. that big of a deal yeah it's that big of a deal anyone um, who knows me knows i'm a huge ramones fan and uh it's it, it's an honor to have monty melnick on the show and as you said i mean he he not only did uh, an amazing job for all those years but he's also an author and uh, he's an accomplished musician in his own right. Um, he was in some bands early on in his career, was signed to a record label. Um, I mean, he had he had some stuff going on before the Ramones, and we'll talk about all that. All, all due respect, so 22 years with the Ramones, and then he had this whole other life prior to the Ramones. So what year did the first Ramones get released? 76. I rest my case. So we're talking like in 1965, 66, 67, 68, Monty was an accomplished musician and playing gigs in New York and had multiple bands. And we find out later that he was actually in a band with Tommy Ramone. Yeah. A more than one band with Tommy Ramone. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. We're so, going to pick his brain, learn all yeah. about him. 
Yeah. It's very on, important, very important day here on Talk Louder Podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I, I, I barely slept last night. I was a, like a kid staying awake waiting for Santa Claus, knowing that I was going to have Monty A. Melnick on the show today. And I couldn't be more excited. And with that, take it, Monty. One, two, three, four. <laughs> And ladies and gentlemen, here he is, Mr. Monty Melnick, the Ramones tour manager for 22 years. Yeah. I, like to use, I like to use my middle initial, Monty A. Monty A. Melnick. Well, if, we, if you're going to use the middle initial, do you mind telling us what it stands for? What is the A? Uh, nine letters. Can you guess? Nine, nine letters. Uh, I'm not good at math, not even all the yeah, way up to I don't, nine. <laughs> I'm a Ramones fan. I can only count to four. I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint. Go ahead. I don't want to say Anthony. I'm going to say. I don't think An that's nine. I don't think that's nine. No. I, I was okay. going to say Alexander. There you got it. Oh wow, good one. Ooh, the one wordsmith wins every time. One for Dave. Well, I'm no yeah. good at math. In fact, I can only count to four, just like the Ramones. But uh, uh, that that was a lucky stab on my part. Monty. Well, I, uh, I also failed math too. So, <laughs> counting in math, counting letters, I would have failed that too. <laughs> Monty, it's a, it's a, it's an honor and a pleasure to have you. I'm a huge Ramones fan. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, I want to cover a lot of bases, but uh, first of all, I want to talk about, uh, I want to at least allude to your book. And I know this isn't the latest edition and we'll get to the latest edition. Right there. there you go. He's got the latest oh, edition. That's cool. The difference is the you Ramones. Gotta make, in the red. You got to look for and, the red Ramones. And it says bonus edition, bonus edition. There you go. I, I had like 40 more pages to this, this edition. And I wanted to ask, before we get to those 40 pages, in the intro to the book or close to the front of the book, you describe yourself, as, you sort of introduce yourself as Monty A. Melnick, a recovering Ramones tour manager, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was great. And I wanted to know, after all these years, are you fully recovered or do you still find yourself sort of twitching from time to time? No, I twitch all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine. I don't think you can really recover from 20 years and 2,200, over 2,200 shows with Ramones. Mm -hmm. That is amazing. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I think uh, uh, it should be pointed out, too, that um, as a tour manager, um, most most tour managers don't stick with one band for 22 years. They sort of go from band to band to tour to tour, wherever the paycheck is. And you were exclusively the Ramones uh, tour manager for 22 years. So, so how did that? Uh, how did you get to be that entwined in the group, so to speak, to where you weren't bouncing from band to band, tour to tour? You were with the Ramones the entire time. Well, yeah, as you say, you know, most uh, tour managers you do a, a tour and then it ends, and then they look for somebody else, or they uh, you, you have to look for another band or something. But I was lucky enough to uh, work with the Ramones after the tours, you know, doing videos and rehearsals and uh, work with the movie. And it's, they needed me around for other things, you know, besides the tour. So they kept me on. Yeah. So, it, so were you, were you in the, like the movie and the rehearsals and videos and things like that? Were you like a sort of a go-to for like production or were yeah. you? Yeah, you know, I had to get the band to the movie or the band to the rehearsal or make sure the crew got to the rehearsal to set up. And, uh, you know, um, 
taking all the things. business. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they work so hard because after they did a tour, a couple of weeks tour, then come back and rehearse like two weeks. So I had to be there, get the crew in there, make sure they, they got some of the band members in and out and stuff like that. And yeah, you went back yeah. on the road. And so they, I mean, they were basically a touring band. That's where they made their meat and potatoes. They yeah. really couldn't, they didn't sell many albums in the beginning. Right. Right. You know? It took like uh, 40 years to get that over there. Yeah. Yeah. I want to, I, I wanted to uh, touch on that. We don't have to talk about it right now, but just the, the legacy and having you be there for, you know, uh, most of it, I can just say. I say most of Yeah. I think all of it. Pretty much. Well, yeah, I missed a yeah. few shows there and there. But, uh, yeah. From the beginning, yeah. I, I'm the only one alive now that was there from practically the beginning to the end. You know? Unbelievable. Arturo would have been, Arturo would have been there, but he's, uh, it's gone, unfortunately. Yep, the other one that yeah. passed away too soon, like the my four older, original. My older brother uh, brought home, you know, first Ramones record when I was, but I was very young, and uh, <laughs> he, um, you know, he he. I, I I have a mantra. He's you know, my oldest brother Mitch is one of my biggest influences because of. You know, his older brother's record collection is a cliche now, right? So, uh, but Beatles, Stones, Pistols, Ramones, you know, and uh, not necessarily in that order, but pretty close. And um, I remember it being a life-changing moment for me and my other brothers just kind of around the house when that happened. Uh, my brother Mitch saw the Randy's Rodeo Ramones gig oh, San Antonio. Wow. And he has a picture of him and Joey, a black and white, you know, glossy that he has framed in his office. And um, I don't have a copy of it, and I should get him to scan that and send it. But it was taken at, at Randy's Rodeo. I think that he was in college there. It would have been 70s, you know. So, um, But my brother's wearing a leather jacket, and he has dark hair, and he's standing there. And they look like they're they, – they look like chums. And I always was a very, as a young, you know, freak out, I was, you know, thought that was the coolest thing. Like, whoa, he's hanging out with the Ramones when it was probably just a point and shoot click, you know, had to develop one pin <laughs> camera or some shit. And, uh, but, uh, so the Ramones have never not been in, well, I can throw a rock at friends and family and, and if they're, if they don't have any history with the Ramones, they're fucking dead, you know? So nice. Very nice. Yeah. <laughs> don't kill too many people. But yeah. no, no, but I just want, <laughs> wanted to, uh, to say that because, you know, you, it, you know, you being there, um, you know, you're the fifth Ramon. No, here's people say that all the time. The sixth Ramon. No, no, no. Marky's the fifth Ramon, and it goes, uh, okay, Richie, right. C, uh, right, CJ, Tommy, right. and Elvis is in there. There's eight Ramones, actually. It's eight, eight different Ramones. Make me nine or ten, fine. I don't like but, to be the fifth, because Marky's actually the fifth Ramon. You're right. <laughs> actually, you're right. People tell me that all the time, but I, I like to correct them on no, that. No, but you're exactly right, though, when you when you think about chronological and you know whoever showed up, right? But I, I, I have to I beg to differ because uh, with all due respect to Marky C J Richie and Clem El Elvis uh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah Elvis Clem, um, 
you were there from day one till the last day in August of 96. And, and those guys can't claim that. They were on stage and performing, but you were there from the beginning. So I think that makes you the fifth Ramon. Well, uh, <laughs> but I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to argue with you. All right. No. So, so let's talk about this book, Monty. Uh, yes. the, the, the first edition came out in like, uh, I want to say 2004. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I, I, I've updated it a few times, 2010 and another edition after that, because things kept, kept on happening when I put the book out. You know, a lot of stuff happened during those years. So I kept on updating it. And finally got the last uh, the bonus editions, finally got the, a lot of stuff in that I didn't get into the uh, original uh, book there, you know. So, what what type of information are you covering in the in the latest edition that wasn't covered previously? Well, I talk about the managers like Gary Kerr first, a little bit more about Danny Fields, put a little bit more about Arturo in there, the backdrops, the T-shirts, the pinheads. Talk about the pinhead, and then I talk about each al uh, studio album, the thirteen or fourteen studio albums. I have a, I put a picture up and I put a little uh, stuff about what who produced it and stuff like that. So. Give a little more information on little tidbits on the albums, you know. Yeah, yeah. And that's out currently, correct? Yes, on Amazon.com. Yeah. Worldwide. And worldwide. I was uh I was honored to have a hand in the original edition. I uh Frank Meyer uh, ah. reached out to me and uh I helped transcribe some of the interviews and he was nice enough to credit me in the book. Great, great. Moment. All right, so you're in my book. Great. Yeah. And you, you may not know this, but I'm sure this was standard stationary letterhead, but I got a thank you note from you. <laughs> oh, really? What's it say? Yeah. It says something to the effect of uh, thanks <laughs> for helping out. Thank you. Yeah. It says thanks for helping out with our book. We couldn't have done it without you on behalf of Sanctuary Publishing. Uh, right. We both thank you, uh, Frank and Monty. Which, Frank's like the hardest working guy out there, man. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted, I wanted to know how it is that you – hooked up with Frank and how the two of you became a uh, sort of co-authors of this book? Good question. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> people come, were coming to me, do a book, do a book. I wasn't really ready to do a book basically until, I mean, Joey was around, so he passed away. I felt it was a time to do it. But so Joey had put out an album on Sanctuary Records and they happened to have a, uh, a publishing company at the time. Right. So a good friend of mine, Kevin Patrick, Brought me in, and we, I sat down with the, this, the head of Sanctuary. I said, look, you know, I'm not really a writer, you know. So they said, don't worry, we'll get you a ghostwriter. So they picked up several people. I went through a bunch of different people. But Frank really stood out. I mean, he was a journalist, huge Ramones fan, a musician, knew everything about the Ramones, terrific guy. So I said, you know, did a great job, Frank. You can be co-author of the book. Otherwise, it would have been just me and there would have been a ghostwriter. But he yeah. did such a great job. I decided to make him co-author of the book. Yeah. And I, I know he would, that was a real honor for him. He's done a lot of great things in his time and, uh, still and, is. <laughs> yeah, it still is. Exactly. It doesn't stop. It's like a machine. Yeah. you you got that right. I can't even keep up with all these projects. So, so for people that don't know, we're, we're having this show based on your time as the tour manager with the Ramones. But prior to that, you were actually, you were friends with Tommy Ramone, the original drummer, before the Ramones existed. And because of that friendship, you guys were actually in bands together and you were signed. You were signed to Reprise well, Records. If yes, I'm, I had two albums on Reprise. So. Two albums on Reprise. Well, here's um, a little bit. This is me and Tommy, 1968. 
Look at that. Whoa. I was in a band with him called Triad, three-piece group. Right. That photo. Uh, well, you in... know, I, yeah, <laughs> I wish I looked like that. <laughs> that photo is in this what, book. What kind yeah. of style? Uh, it was like a power uh, trio, like cream. Oh, sweet. Yeah. So I grew up with Tommy. I went to junior high school with Tommy. I went to high school with Tommy. I actually saw Tommy play in Forest Hills High School with the Tangerine Puppets. There's a picture of them in my book there, where John was playing uh, bass at the time. And it was a talent show. I was up in the audience watching them play. I was good friends with Tommy. You know? And then uh, Tommy said, uh, you know, I should pick up the bass. And uh, so I just picked the bass. I was natural. And I was in several groups with them. Yeah. And, yeah. And uh, so you, you mentioned uh, Triad and Triad, Triad, Triad. I'm sorry. So and our trio, like kind of like Cream. You know, we grew up here, and with the film Maurice was around. So we saw a lot of great bands. I mean, Cream. We saw the Cream, and I saw Jimi Hendrix at Hunter College, and uh, the film Maurice had so many different shows. It was amazing. It's like growing up with you know the music right there. You know, great, yeah. great venue. Yeah. And, and then so so then the Ramones are formed and 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 you kind of well follow. yeah before that I mean I did uh, before the Ramones I was in a group called Thirty Days Out which right. is a country country rock band Tommy was almost in the band but they didn't need an extra guitar player but he was always into producing at the time because he just wanted to be a producer so he didn't really bother him not being in the group. But we got signed to uh, uh, Warner Brother Reprise uh, Records, and we had two albums out, 1971-72. And we opened up for the Beach Boys and Tom uh, Tom Rush and Quicksilver Messenger Service. And, wow. Uh, stuff like that. And was, we almost made it. It was almost made. It's a country rock band. Got some yeah. good, good publicity. But after that, I came back and then was in another band with uh, Tommy called Butch. Let me see if I can find a picture of that. That with uh, Jeff Salen was in the group. Here it is. So Jeff Salen, it's up there. See him? That's Jeff Salen, me, Tommy, Ramon. Now yeah. Jeff Salen, you know who he's, he's from, what group he was in, right? Um, Come on. Uh, Robert Montgomery uh, was the lead singer, I think. No, you got Tough me. Darts, Tough Darts. Oh, Tough Darts. Remember the Tough Darts? My punk rock. Montgomery punk. guy, he was really yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. But at the time, after the 30 Days I came back, that was like... Glam was going out, you know. We, as you can see, we were wearing like suspenders and silk pants and high boots and stuff like that. So glam rock was kind of phasing out. We were like the phase out of that, uh, and then punk rock came in. Yeah. But we, we actually played Mercer Arts Center before it fell down. The day before Mercer Arts Center fell down, we played with Butch <laughs> there. And a funny story about that: uh, Johnny Ramone went, was at the show. So he, he, he's like, he came back, he, he said to me in front of Tommy, well, you were the best thing in that group <laughs> in front of Tommy, you know, <laughs> it's funny that he saw us, you know? So, so what, so you're, you're, I mean, you're signed to a major label and you're having some success. And so at what point do you decide to switch gears and, 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 uh, become, you know, the, uh, sort of a behind the scenes tour manager versus an onstage performer? Well, what happened was, uh, I mean, it was a couple of years with Third Days Out, and then we just, we had, you know, management was great. We couldn't really get it together and go, go further. So the, the band broke up, you know, that's what happens. Bands get together, they break up. So we broke up, and it came back to New York. And uh, my cousin Ivan uh, was a locksmith, and he was putting in locks 
on this loft out on 20, 20th Street, 23 East 20th Street. And the lady said, look, I got an empty loft here. Uh, I'm, I'm interested in uh, opening up a rehearsal recording studio here. Do you know anybody interested that can help me out and work uh, building it? My cousin said, yeah, Monty. So I, I got in touch with her and then I brought Tommy in with me. We actually designed the place, Performance Studios. It's a picture of that in my book here. Yeah. And uh, so we designed the the place and we built it and hand built it as much as we could. Then we got time on our own. We, we were man, we got to manage the place. And then we got time for our own groups. I had other groups at the time I was working with a different group at the time. And Tommy, at the time he was working at the record plant. He was, he just wanted to be an engineer and producer. So he brought the Ramones in there on his free time as a three piece group. Oh, wow. And then uh, they, they decided to do like showcases there. So I started running the sound for them. That's how I got involved with the Ramones. Mm. Of course, you know, at the time it was three piece. Then Tommy said, you know, Dee, Dee was having trouble singing and playing bass. And he heard that Joey had a great voice. He pulled Joey off the drum. Joey was on the drums at the time. Right, right. He pulls him off the drums and they started looking for drummers. And they, they were so raw at that, at that time. It's like, I, I really, you know, come, I, my group, I had three point harmonies and everybody played their instruments well. So seeing the Ramones back then, I didn't like them, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> but you know, I run around the sound for them at the showcase and stuff like that. Yeah. But nobody could understand what they were doing as far as drummers. So Tommy was Tommy's a guitar player actually. He's not a yeah. drummer, so he sat down on the drums. He's a great musician, and he started playing to play like this. Nobody could figure it out, so he stayed joined the group. So he yeah. joined the group, and then they started doing showcases, as I said. And I started doing sound for them, and they start get a gig here, a gig there. And they said, well, come out and do the sound for us. I started off doing the sound for that first. Right, right. So, so you're, you're, you're part of the Ramones at this point and, uh, and three records, Tommy does three records and then he leaves. And so what kind of impact did his departure have on you? Because he was, he was your buddy and sort of your, your, your invitation into the Ramones fold and now he's gone. So, well, yeah, you know, I, I'm Tommy really, as I said, he didn't really want to be in a band. He didn't want to, he just wanted to produce them and manage them actually at the time, you know? Right. So he's, he was kind of happy to like step back and of course Marky came in and uh, it was okay with me. And I mean, uh, I, it was all right. You know, I'm working with Tommy and then he started doing his own thing and producing other bands. I think he did uh, replacements and other, other bands he started producing and stuff like that. So he, he, went off that direction and I went off and doing all everything for the Ramones. You know, as, as I said, I started doing everything, you know, basically the, the, uh, the sound for them. And then I, you know, I also was roadie for them to, in the beginning. That's how I learned my trade really from the bottom up, you know, schlepping equipment, setting it up, running the sound, driving. Right. Settling got, up. The bigger they got. The night, yeah, getting paid. Well, now that came up, came out later. When Danny mm. Danny Fields is still involved with that, mm. there was a, like a a couple of about a year into me doing that. Danny, it was a funny story in, in, in um, I think Ohio, the Agora, one one of the clubs. He was afraid. Oh, I'm afraid to go back and get the money because then we didn't draw a lot of people. He said, "Monty, you go back get the money. You can be the, to the the road manager." I went back and got the money and I became road manager. He stepped back. So then I took over the role of doing you know everything at that time, you know, picking up the money, paying people and stuff like that. So I graduated up, up the yeah. ladder there. Yeah. You hear a lot of stories about, you know, tour manager or production manager going back to get paid. And, you know, 
the guy doling out the cash for the band sets a gun on the <laughs> sets a gun on the on the desk before he pulls out the money bag. So how much did I? How much, you know, just to kind of spread fear. Anything? Uh, anything crazy like that? Well, luckily enough, you know, we got to get a good booking agent. You know, mm-hmm. so you know if I had any problem with it the club owner or whatever, the promoter, I said, look, you're not going to get any jobs here anymore right. if you don't settle up with me properly. Yeah. I never had any really big problems. So, a small minor problem, we were playing like Bremerton, Oregon, some lumberjack club or something. And, you know, I had like chicken wire in front of the stage. So they were like lumberjacks. They didn't know what the hell was going on. But at that time, it was like early, you know, late 70s, they were playing like 30 minutes, you know, 30 songs. They were playing a lot of songs, you know? Yeah. yeah. But it was only like 30 so minutes. So we came off stage and the, uh, the club owner comes up to me, you, you go back on stage, you're not, you're not finished yet. So I put him back on stage, they play the same set over and again. You know? <laughs> Twice. That was okay. They, they, they paid me for that. <laughs> so I never nice, had trouble. So nice paid. to play it twice. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they didn't know the difference either, the people in our audience. No. <laughs> so, so when you start uh, road managing the Ramones, one of the things I found interesting in the book is that um, the the band would travel by van and the crew would travel by tour bus, which is it just sounds completely well, opposite. This is like later on. If you look at my book, there's pictures of tour buses. I have several tour buses, but the tour buses are very expensive, and you have to sleep in the tour bus to make it economically correct you know so they didn't like to sleep on the buses neither did i they wanted a hotel to have a hotel and tour bus was you know very expensive so i mean we had tour buses we had all sorts of different vehicles at the time uh i mean we started off in a van and with a trailer you know with everybody in the van and we graduated up we started with tour buses and what we found out in the united states it was it was better to just uh do like sections of the country we do like say california we go to California, do the West Coast. I had the crew drive the van out there, and then they would they would uh, get a bus because they could they slept on the bus and they had to get, you know they had to be there early and stay late, so they they needed a bus at the time, you know. Yeah. But for us, it was like a couple of weeks West Coast up and down, and then we come back, take a week or two off, and do like the Midwest. So just for these states, we we developed that later on, later on in the in the in the uh, Ramones. Uh, career i mean in the early years we did have buses and stuff like that yeah and you know the the ramones are kind of notorious for being dysfunctional and i i don't know if that's an understatement or an overstatement or but from your perspective as somebody who basically had to take care of them on a day-to-day basis for 22 years and on the road constantly what what how would you characterize the personalities in the band like who who was the most difficult to get out of bed and get on time and who was i mean i obviously johnny was you know like clockwork but I, i'm guessing that so cj and cj later on yeah well that's probably the marines background you know oh yeah yeah, yeah absolutely but tell well, tell us well, what's to, a, to tell you the truth i mean most people are dysfunctional Period. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. True. <laughs> but but most people don't make their living herding cats, you know, and and, and you kind of did. So yeah, not, well, not the, yeah, Joey was the big problem because of his OCD, you know. Yeah. And we didn't in the early years. Nobody knew what it was, you know. So they, Joey, what are you doing here? They, we thought he was like out of his mind until they really understood it was a, 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 a 
condition, you know? Yeah. Which, and he could take some medicine for it, but he had it pretty bad there. And that was the difficult part about, uh, you know, getting him out of hotels and his, his house and stuff. I, what I would do is, like, I tell him, like, at the wrong time. I'd say it was like an hour difference, you know? He yeah. didn't realize, he didn't look at watches very much. So <laughs> <laughs> I said it was, I gave him the wrong time most of the time to get him out. And it was difficult, you know, because a lot of times the band's downstairs and they think, what's going on? You know, get, let's go, let's go. And I'm, I'm, he's touching things and closing the door 10 times and stuff like that. That was difficult. Yeah. And yeah. then, of course, Dee Dee was a problem with his drugs and stuff like that. Yeah. Johnny was fine. No problem with Johnny. Marky was good. CJ, of course, was great. Richie's terrific. Yeah. So speaking of those later day members, um, you know, I, I know it's not usually, I'm not saying that the road manager has any, you know, final say in the decision, but you were obviously closer as a, as a tour manager than most tour managers would be. So did, did you, were you privy to the auditions and did you have any first impressions on these guys that ultimately joined the band like Marky CJ? Uh, were you asked for your opinion at um, all? Or? Basically, no, but I was there for like the CJ auditions. You know, he was the first one to audition. And it's like 20 people. Wow. You know, so I talked to them, I they'd bring them in and stuff, look at them a little bit, you know. But Johnny saw something in CJ right away. So it was nice. As far as Marky went, that was good because Marky would, uh, the early days of CBGBs, basically, the only people in the audience was other bands. Yeah. So Marky was there all the time hanging out. He, he wanted to be in the group. So he was, it was an easy transition for him to come into the band because they knew him and they were his friends and I knew him. And they didn't ask me, say, you like Marky. You know, he, he fit in very well. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the spot here for a couple questions. So um, what's the diciest uh, situation you ever had when you were driving the band? Did you ever have any crashes or near misses or? Thank goodness. No. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing i mean there's yeah. a few times we're driving in heavy like blizzards and that was pretty scary especially when in the early years i had the damn trailer behind you know driving a van with a trailer you know, yeah. it's pretty scary i really didn't have any problem like, you know got stopped by a police a few times you know i was driving too fast and stuff but one time i went through a light and they they actually it's somewhere in michigan they hot they got took me down to the police station you know <laughs> <laughs> And uh, and they let you go, obviously. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't a horrible thing going through a red light, you know, making a turn. What, you know. They just wanted to hassle us, you know. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. about um, while you're driving, you know, spats between band members? Is, uh, no, they kept very quarters. quiet. They yeah. kept very quiet. The whole thing between uh, with Johnny and, and uh, Joey was really overblown. I mean. That's basically over. Yeah, I mean, they were friends from the beginning. They yeah. they grew up. They were friends. They started the group. They did a couple albums together. Then the whole Linda thing came about. And then they decided not to socialize or talk to each other very much. But they had to talk to each other because right. they did the set list and the this, the uh, re re recording stuff in the, in the recording studio stuff. So, but it was just like in the van. You know, everybody had their own. Like at that time, Johnny had a transistor radio with an earplug and. The Walkmans were coming in, and everybody's just doing their own thing. So it was very quiet in the band, basically. Mm. Yeah. They so, didn't want to fight. You know, they didn't want to fight with each other because they figured it was better not to fight, just keep the band going. Because when they realized the music was much more important than just fighting and, you know, breaking up or something like that, you know? Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, you, you guys are musicians, right? Jason is. 
comedy. Well, you know what it's like when you go on stage and the and the, the audience is feeding back to you. It's a high. Yeah, you know that's right. And I I, I felt that because I was out there too get uh, stage. And I felt that. That's why when a lot of bands come off stage, I want to keep that high going. They go drinking or drugs. So I want to keep it going. You know. Right. So yeah. the, I mean, they Johnny and Joey realized that they they had an incredible feedback. I mean, the audience is amazing. At, for all those years, you go up, they go on stage, it's like, you know, and they were producing records and stuff like that. So they decided just not to socialize, basically. So um, my other on the spot question for you is, uh, again, as someone who's on the inner circle of the Ramones, what's your favorite and least favorite Ramones album? <laughs> I like all the Ramones albums. I have a favorite Ramones song, though. What is it? It's from End of the Century, and it's called All the Way. Uh huh. Any idea yep. why I like that song? Uh, are, are you mentioned in that? Yes, song? I'm really wow. into the song. Yeah, Monty's <laughs> driving me crazy. It's like being in the Navy. Yeah. Holy yep. crap! How can that not be my favorite Ramon song? <laughs> Good one. Were Good you one. driving them crazy? Of course. Was it really like <laughs> being in the Navy? Yeah. According to Joey, it was. Also, in that song, it talks about the van driving, driving them crazy and the modern men, or why are they still alive and stuff like that. Wow. You should listen to the lyrics of that song. It's, it's very great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, funny that that same album has Danny Says on it, correct? Yeah. Which is Danny so, yeah. Fields. Yeah. Yeah. Another life on the road story that references uh, one of the one of the guys who keeps the machine rolling. So. Um, uh, my favorite uh, Ramon song, by the way, is uh, "Just Want to Have Something to Do." Love that song. Ah, so um, Rock and Roll High School. Do you remember that part? What 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 comes up when that they play that song? I just want to have something mm -hmm. to do tonight. Uh, they're driving down the street in they're the coming car, in the right? pink Cadillac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, you're the driver. It, no, no, no. Rodney Bing Bingenheim is the driver. Oh, that's right. But wow. they pulled it aside. I come out. If you look, and I come out in front of the camera shake hands with the manager they walk yes. in front of me and yeah. then right the, behind the, the whole song they're i'm right behind them you can see me for the whole song behind them i'm kind of right. playing like the pr promoter of the show so i'm talking to the, to the manager pointing things out and actually that movie the manager's ha carrying my silver halbert the suitcase yeah right yeah yeah so uh the Ronnie bingenheimer was the driver for that that's right. But That's I got right. my face in the movie. It was, was yeah, happy. yeah, and I and you're you've been in a few of the videos too as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. you and I want to live and uh, is it uh, sedated? Yeah. And yeah. are you in psychotherapy? No, not psychotherapy. No, psych not psychotherapy. There's not another one. I can't remember. A couple other ones. So, so okay, 22 years on the road with the Ramones. What tour would you say they were firing on all cylinders? They were at the top of their game. What album? What tour? Well. I mean, the nineteen seventy-seven show at the Rainbow Theater during New Year's Eve was top of the line for that particular group. You know, the Tommy, Joey, Dee Dee, and uh, Johnny. That was the best for them. But you know, over the years, there's other shows with different people in the group that were terrific, also. But that they filmed that show. It's terrific shows. I was on. I was doing the sound for that show. I was on the soundboard. Was that um, the Rainbow? And was Rainbow. that in L London? London. Yeah, uh, New Year's Eve, great show. They captured that; it was terrific. Yeah, amazing. And and so also wearing the hat of a uh, tour manager. What's the worst uh, pickle you've ever had to 
fish the Ramones out of, either as a band collectively or individually? Were you ever called in the middle of the night to get someone out of jail? Or Well, you know, DDO did a few times on the road. That was pretty Ouch. crappy. Yeah, I bet that's scary. So they, the, one, time, one early year on in L.A., they, they re- didn't realize that Joey and I think Didi and I were walking around. They, you don't really walk around in L.A. very much when they're walking across the street. I think they jaywalked it. <laughs> they, they stopped them and brought them down to the police station because they, you know, they were looking like Joey and stuff. You know, they didn't know what the hell was going on. That's one. So I had to first, get them out of the police station. That's one of the first things I ever heard of, just from like acquaintances. The first time I went to L.A. and Hollywood, just walking around down there, someone goes, "Hey, make sure you don't jaywalk because there's like literally meter maids looking for that. They'll chase you down and write you up and get on the radio." And I'm like, yeah, "Well, they." They got arrested. They, they took them in. Wow. That's crazy. So, <laughs> also in your book, uh, you, you tell a joke in the book, and I'm, I'm going to set up the joke, and I want you to provide the punchline because I thought this was classic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's the joke mm. from, from the mouth of Monty Melnick. What's the difference between a road manager and a toilet? Toilet bowl. Well, toilet bowl only has to deal with one asshole at a time. <laughs> you can put anything in there, tour manager, or whatever you want in the beginning. Yeah. That's, an, that's an old joke. <laughs> I told him that a few times. I yeah. loved it. It, it, <laughs> it. it seems so fitting because, you know, all the years you spent with these guys and, you know, I, I, I don't want to paint them as completely dysfunctional, but and if you were managing any four guys on the road there's going to be issues and personalities and egos and whatever and and that's just the band and then your part of your responsibility is dealing with the promoters and all that other stuff At the crew and the crew <laughs> that doubles my crazy people around me or triples it, it might, i was gonna believe say triples. me yeah 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 so it's Some, the crew sometimes, is the sometimes a lot worse Yeah, if they're late, if they're driving the gear truck and they're late or they have a flat tire or they overslept or what it's it's you're the one who has to smooth that shit over. Yeah. I mean, when we go early years, we would go to Europe and they was putting in the um, drum hardware like pot, you know, stuffing it in those days. Nobody was really I said, don't do that, you know, but they did it because they had that pot when they got there. They were like stuffing it in the. Hardware, because at that time, early years, late seventies, eighties, nobody was really heavily watching stuff. You I know? guess like a cymbal stand, you can. Pop yeah, yeah, they, can, they, yeah, yeah. Some of the early, yeah. you know, voids, <laughs> hollow, hollow cymbal stand. Yeah, right. That's stuff a like good that. idea. And also, uh, like Didi would uh, buy like switchblades. He collected them. They say, say, "Here, <laughs> put them in the drum hardware, because we can get that back easily." They went up. Early years, they didn't inspect all those little pieces and bits and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, what about when you're like, uh, when the band would, you know, writing sessions? Were you around? No, basically they Not did much? that on their own stuff. Okay. What about uh, like in the recording studio? And uh, well, I was there basically, you know, to make sure the crew was there and I hang out in the uh, green room basically. So watch them here and there. Any like Phil Spector stories? Oh, yeah. There's a few of them in my book. Yeah, sure. Nice. He was like, off the wall, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, initially, you know, there was, hey, wow. Well, in 1977, we played the Whiskey headline. I think Blondie opened up. And 
And Phil Spector came out. There's a picture of him in my book. He's like, he's got a cape on and a, like a beard and looks like the devil beard and stuff. Yeah. He had bodyguards, but he was a fan. He came back and said, I love you guys. I love you guys. We'll do something. Years later, 1989, finally Seymour got him to do the album. But I mean, we respected him. We knew that he was a great producer, but we didn't know how crazy he was at the time. And he was very difficult because, you know, the Ramones like to work fast, 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 yeah. fast. Yeah. And he liked to work very slowly, you know. There's one chord he made Johnny play like 15, 20 times the same chord, you know. And he had a guns on him. He put the gun on the table. He never pointed it at us. Right. We know he had guns. His body guard had guns. A few stories about him holding us hostage in his house a few times and stuff like that. It's pretty yeah. crazy. Whoa. I mean, they had to sit down with him because he would like have outbursts in the studio. So in the early sessions, we, we had to bring him to the hotel and with the um, record company and sit down with him and say, look, Phil, you know, you got to take it easy. What you're doing here, you, you go, you're out of control. I said, okay, I'll calm down. It was difficult. It was difficult. Yeah. Speaking of that album, there's, there's something in your book also that um, the album cover is very unique in the, in the, in the fact that uh, the Ramones, the guys in the band aren't wearing their leather jackets on the cover. And, and apparently Johnny was really pissed about that because he was very proud of the the uniform and the and the and the cohesive look of the band, and there they are on end of the century with different colored t shirts and no leather jackets. And um, what do you remember about that? As far because that it was almost like you know working with Phil Spector and then trying to make the alter the visual appearance was almost like an attempt to possibly explore a different audience yeah become popular yeah. <laughs> sell some albums yeah yeah <laughs> uh johnny and Didi hated it they didn't like it that was a mick rock photo by the way you know mick rock oh yeah mm -hmm. and spencer drake was the designer of the album there so they did just uh, johnny didn't like it Didi didn't like it joey and marky couldn't care less they said fine you know yeah um and there i think in, inside sleeve that has a picture of them with the same picture with the, the leather jackets on. Yeah, Johnny wanted to eat that, that look, but he's, you know, let's reduce Phil Spector. Maybe we'll sell some albums. Let's do a little more poppy cover. We'll try it. So they tried it, and then that was the end of that, not wearing leather jackets on the covers. Yeah. You know, living here in Texas, um, I, I saw the Ramones. Uh, well, numerous times, but one time I'll always remember is they were playing outdoors at the Aquafest, which was, you know, an outdoor thing uh, right on the banks of uh, of Town Lake here in the middle of downtown. And of course, it's Austin, Texas. It's hotter than Hades. And I think that's the first time I saw the Ramones like perform without their leather jackets because they came out with the jackets on and I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm dying out here in the crowd and they're on stage with this leather jacket. How long is this going to last? And I think it's the first time I ever saw them after, you know, three or four songs slowly start to peel off the leather jackets. No, they started doing that later on because they play a few songs, number of songs, and they take the jackets off. But Joey wouldn't take his jacket off for <laughs> at all. Yeah. And it was horrible because at the end of the show, it was like soaking wet. Yeah. And we'd hang it up, but it, it was still it never dried out properly. We had, you know, a wardrobe case. So they, they took off their jackets uh, basically later on, like after like a number of songs, they would take their jackets off. One time, yeah. I think we were in like Sweden or something in the early years, 
and they took it. Charlie took his jacket off and suddenly stole it right from the stage. Oh, he was like that pissed. Is, that's actually happened to me. Oh, yeah. uh, go on stage, take my leather jacket off, hanging on a mic stand over there. There's a guitar tech standing right there. Yeah. yeah. All night. Oh, it'd be fine right here. It had my wallet and my keys, the da -da -da, my keys to the bus, da 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 da. Hey, end of the show. Thank you. Good night. Where's my jacket? Gone. Years later, a guy uh, called management. Go, I'm going to, I want to uh, get backstage passes to the show. Why? Who are you? I have Jason's jacket. Yeah. <laughs> I used it as ransom to get yeah. to get into the show. <laughs> Sounds like it. Ridiculous. Well, you know, in the early years, the Ramones, there were people jumping on a stage and stuff like that. They hated that. They didn't want yeah. anybody. They yeah, said, this is our show. Don't I don't do like that. that either. So yeah, I had Lemmy, to get... Lemmy felt the same way about that. Yeah. I had to make sure we had good crash barriers and the security in the in, in front to make sure that nobody would get on stage. As Johnny said, no, nobody gets on stage. You know, a lot of punk groups say, yeah, come on stage, jump up, stage time, blah, blah, blah. No, this, this is the Ramones show, not your show. Yeah. So that's after that happened, we, you know, got good barriers and security and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I, I like the couple things, not to go backwards, but I love the uniform idea. And I love hearing that there were members of the band that, you know, maybe it was a little bit mixed opinions, but that there was, you know, people who really cared about, you know, Johnny saying, got to have a leather jacket. It's got to look a certain way. It's got to no, feel a certain way all the fucking time or it's not the goddamn Ramones. No, he really studied, uh, like, what was going on on stage and... and, and he was like the general, you know, and yeah. he, he knew what, what to do and when to, all the stage moves and stuff like that. Was, yeah. And the Ramones really worked on their show. People don't realize it. I think they just played three chords and that was that, you know. No, they they rehearsed every time they came back from a tour. They rehearsed for two weeks, you know. They yeah. go back on tour. Yeah. We rehearse, rehearse a lot. And in fact, before every show, they had a little practice amp and a practice drum kit. They would warm up playing, look, number of songs and joey would go into another room and do vocal exercises he had a vocal coach later on you know right so they really worked hard yeah trying to yeah. stay in shape uh, yeah. i love i love hearing this because i think that you're you would know above all people uh you know how hard these guys worked at it but someone just kind of looking in from afar they're not even a fly on the wall and there's all oh, the Ramones are, you know, they're tough guys. They don't do shit. You know, they'll, they'll drink a slam a beer and just walk out. The Ramones don't rehearse. They're hardcore. It sounds to me like they were very professional. Oh yeah. I mean, as I said, they worked very hard at it. I mean, in the early years, I mean, they were really horrible to watch. So they, they actually developed <laughs> Johnny worked on it. He said, he, he, yeah. you know, he like Tommy and I would, we went to a lot of concerts in our younger years and he did too and he said he was studying it said that group does that that group does that you know don't uh talk to the audience too much uh yeah don't tune your guitar in between songs stuff right. like that he had right. it down he really had it yeah. down these Wonderful. are these are things that uh are really big to me i uh direct shows for a corporate company called the school of rock i'm a music instructor and for about 10 years, uh, Blitzkrieg Bop was one of our sort of, we pick six songs and we put everybody through a boot camp and they have to learn these six songs. And Blitzkrieg was one of the songs for 
forever. I've been there 15 years for about 10 years. Blitzkrieg was one. Anyway, you know, those are the things we talked about. You know, don't tune your guitar through the amp. Imagine there's a thousand people watching you do that shit. You think that sounds and looks cool? Fuck no. <laughs> so it's just one of the one of the many things that we try to install early on if someone wants wants to learn how to play rock and roll. There you go. What, yes. One of the things uh one of the things I picked up in the book is uh, obviously uh being a road manager you rely on uh tricks of the trade and ex and experience and you know getting the band fed is always is always a concern and one of the things that I've I've taken with me ever since I read the book back in 2004 every time I'm driving down the highway here in Texas and I pass a cracker barrel <laughs> I think of you <laughs> and so for for people who are listening to this podcast or or watching that aren't in the United States cracker barrel is a chain restaurant here in America and it might be it might be a southern United States type of thing. I don't yeah. know. Well, they have one here. They have one here, upstate New York. Okay, oh, but uh, so, yeah. They, so tell tell us the story about uh, the, you and the Ramones and Cracker Barrel. Well, you know, when you're on the road, you really need a good place to have a decent meal. You know, so we found out that Cracker Barrel had you know reasonable price and decent food. So one day uh, we were there, and uh, the manager said, "You have an eight by 10. I said, yeah, you know, I carried a bunch of eight by 10 photos with me and they all signed it. And then they paid the bill. They, they, gave, they treated us, you know? Amazing. But I found out that every Cracker Barrel did that. There you go. So Johnny said, go. get the map, get the map of Cracker Barrels, you know? So I had the whole <laughs> map and in the morning, I would, if it was nearby, we'd stop there and we'd get the free meal. It was amazing they did that, you know? That's I don't know if they do that anymore, but. At that time, if you were banned and fairly you know, known, yeah, that, that you give the manager the eight by ten sign, and they feed the whole table. That's that's called resourceful, right there. And, and <laughs> I, can you imagine? What's the paint the picture? The Ramones walk into a Cracker Barrel. <laughs> <laughs> this is the beginning of a. That's the beginning of Monty's next book. Yes, <laughs> that's the first line, first few words of Monty's next sentence. Yeah. Well, this paragraph. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the intro to your next book. The Ramones walk into a Cracker Barrel. Dot dot. dot. <laughs> well, this that that famous story that uh, goes around about early late seventies. Uh, we're driving around. Actually, I think it was Texas, some yeah. really small town in Texas. You know, I think we, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, we put it was like five hours or six hours in the van, and we're all like. We pulled in the gas station with a convenience store. So they stagger out of the van looking like, you know, Joey and the rest of them, like after like five hours of stumbling around and looking, oh, I'm paying for the gas. And the uh, attendant comes to me and says, oh, it's sure nice of you taking care of those retarded boys. Oh, shit. <laughs> I said, yes, ma'am, that's my job. That's, uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's in the book. And I think you were at That Snake was true. Farm. It was true. You were at Snake Farm, weren't yeah. you? No, no, it was it was that we we like to go to Snake Farm. Okay, there was a, there's a, a gas stop at the convenience store. Yeah, where they just staggered out, and the way they looked at that time, and nobody knew that who they were. They right. were like it was pretty radical for the poor attendant there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, um, are are you still close with the surviving? Um, oh yeah, you know, here and there, I talked to uh, CJ and Richie here and there. And, yeah. On and off with Marky, not, not not hugely closely, but 
we're not there with them. Have you ever have you ever considered getting back in the game, or, or are you done with that? No, at my age, it's a hard life. Yeah, I don't think I could get back on the road. Um, yeah, it's very taxing. You know, as, a, as I said, I had twenty something years doing it, and then at my age, uh, I don't think uh, it'd be rough. It'd be rough. Yeah. 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 So, so you're, you know, let's, let's talk about this for a second. Cause you know, we've talked about a few different sort of layers or hats that you've had to wear, uh, to, to have that job and do it for the Ramones of all people. Um, I mean that respectively, you know, uh, were there, did you guys have a you know a CPA and a and a lawyer and a, oh sure you, yeah did you have accountant um, lawyers everything where, sure. where I'm going with this is did, did you have uh, as an employee or a, a member uh, uh, not to get too personal but were there were there benefits later for yeah later that's why I stuck around they gave me all the benefits and the help and all that stuff fantastic and you know I think there was enough work you know doing a video doing a movie uh, rehearsal. And they toured so much that yeah, they needed me around a lot. By the you know, time that they became incorporated, so to speak, they yeah. had benefits. Yeah, for you. Yeah, 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 fantastic. You know, it's funny you're talking about them in the van and stuff. Well, after Ramones uh, retired in '96, I actually managed. I managed Marky. Yeah, Marky Ramone and the Intruders. I was George Abose, the photographer, and I. We had a management company called Search and Rescue. So I got Marky's first two albums out. Uh, uh, Ramon and Intruders, and I sent them on the road with some other guy as a tour manager, a guy named Warren Cohen. But uh, the problem with that was that Marky was coming from the Ramones, you know? And I said, look, I can't get you the same money that the Ramones are getting. Yeah. I can't put you in the same hotels the Ramones are getting. So I was kind of pissed them off, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I tried. I tried. Yeah. I was with them for about a year and a half. We parted amicably and stuff like that. I, and then talk about, you know, in the van, I did this, a couple of jobs with Degeneration, you know, Jesse Mallon's yes, group. Love so being in the van with them was amazing because they're, they're joking around and smiling and telling jokes. And it's like a whole other world. <laughs> it's a whole other world. I love Degeneration. That must yeah, have been great. some kind of like shock to go from just like totally quiet all the time. And, yeah, yeah, it was great. Know, healthy, but tension you know and great. then to get in with dgen and go wow you guys are knuckleheads and this is fun it's yeah yeah totally yeah, right. different vibe than what you're used to forever yeah jesse's great he's doing terrific on his yeah solo stuff. i've seen i'm a big fan of his solo stuff and i've seen him numerous times and uh had the pleasure of meeting him a number of times a lot of respect for jesse mallon and degeneration that's a band that should have been bigger than they were yes, yes very we've good. talked yeah. about them uh yeah, mainly dave on, on, on the on the this podcast before about how they could have been we had did an episode on uh you know what bands could have been bigger and they were one of the ones i think we talked about there or uh i know that we've yeah. mentioned them multiple times on yeah, the podcast. absolutely yeah so so monty you know are there moments of, you know, odd moments of peace and clarity where you catch yourself thinking, you know, you're the last man standing? And I, and I don't just mean the original Ramones, but like you said earlier, Arturo Vega is gone. Um, uh, Danny Fields. Linda Stein. Seymour, yeah, Linda Stein. 
I mean, it's not just the core original band that's gone, but a lot of the people that were also on the inner circle. And you're literally like, you know, as far as I know, the last person from, you know, 1974, 75, 76, that's still here. And, you know, what is, what is that, what goes through your head when you think about that? That's, um, I kind of knock on wood. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's strange that because there's a there's a hell of a legacy associated with the Ramones, and and you and you know what, and you're kind of the last guy that's around to actually see it. You know, the the guys were starting to see a little bit of it before they you know successively passed away, uh, but you're the guy that's still here and is able to see what an impact they truly had more so than anybody else that was involved in the band. What a shame that the four originals are not here to see how big they are. I mean, now people say Beatles, Stones, Ramones, as you mentioned there before. Yeah. And uh, the four originals, you know, never got to see that, that how big they are now, you know, I mean, it amazes me that they're huge now. Yeah. And they are in movie soundtracks and TV commercials. They couldn't get that stuff when they were around, you know, no, yeah. I talk uh, about that. I talk about that all the time. I was like, God, get, these guys are rolling. Not being able to even just go, wow, they're playing me in the grocery store. You know, just the shit like that. It's it's ridiculous. It's, uh, the, yeah, I mean, yeah. they're such an institution, and that it, it goes without saying. But I'm I'm gonna say it. Uh, yeah, it's amazing that that's so huge now. Like, tell me, so. A thousand I'm, times. That's the same joke. I tell. I'm glad that there's there, there's so many people, and I'm so sorry to interrupt. Um, that there's so many other bands and musicians that, you know, like carve it right on their sleeve, like <laughs> like Lemmy writing the song Ari. That's you know, you know oh, and, oh, and, that yeah, great. that is incredible that he did that while they were still going. Yeah, and the fact that they were sort of uh, interlocked there in a lot of different ways. And he um, played the last show. Yeah, huge respect. That's yeah. respect. Well, yeah, I mean, well, get back to the crazy joke. I mean, I tell this a lot of times that the Ramones were this big when I was working for them. I would have gotten a big raise. <laughs> well, well, yeah. Yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> I mean, that's what a so joke. big now. It's amazing. I mean, yeah. and, and I love it. It's nice. But to see the originals not there, to see how much they, you know, influence people. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the legacy of the Ramones, basically, that uh, they were kind of like the Johnny Appleseeds. You know, Johnny Appleseed would plant apples here and there, and the apples would grow up. They were, they were traveling throughout the country, throughout the world, and these young kids would see them and say, hey, they can do that. It's not that hard, as long as you're competent and play decent songs. And they inspired all these groups yes. with they, with the, that give them credit. Yeah. Yes, globally. Everywhere, I mean, global. I, I was going to ask you, you know, when, oh, let's say, oh, I don't know, let's say 94, 95, there's this, there's this wave of pop punk and punk rock and, you know, Green Day, The Offspring, Rancid. Uh, these bands are starting to happen and they're selling a ton of records and, and they're, they're, they acknowledge the Ramones, but so as someone who was sitting right next to the Ramones watching this happen, what, what were, 
what did you get? Did you get a certain vibe from those guys as to were they were they happy for these guys? Did they feel like, wait a minute, that's supposed to be us, you know? Yeah, I mean, uh, they liked a lot of the groups. You know, Green Day, actually at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Joey wasn't around. Johnny didn't want to play with anybody. So Green Day actually came up and played the Ramones songs for that. I, I saw center. that, yeah. And Eddie Vedder inducted yes. them. He came yes, out with a Mohawk. Right. I don't know why he wore the Mohawk. That was pretty bizarre. <laughs> of any better. He had a yeah. Mohawk. Yeah. But all these bands, I mean, 1996, we did a Lollapalooza tour. Yep. And it was headline Metallica, Soundgarden, Rancid, Ramones. I was there. So I, I get the Ramones on stage. I'm standing there. All of a sudden, looking at there's all the groups. There's the Metallica, Soundgarden. They're all inside a stage. They're fans. They love it. They got to be very good friends with the band. And they said... You influenced us. In fact, the one time in Ohio, I remember, these kids come back and say, hey, we're Metallica. We love you guys. You know, they're little kids, you know? Yeah. Wow. And then uh, they're, they're, now the poor Ramones are fourth on the bill. and <laughs> You know? Right. But they, they, the other group, the bands, like, said, you guys, we love you guys. We love the Ramones. We love you guys, you know? Yes. I mean, you two writing that song, The Miracle of Joe Ramone, Holy Mackerel. Yeah. Eddie Vedder is a huge fan. Now. Yes. All these groups, that was a legacy the Ramones. They, yeah. they inspired all these kids to say, go out there, you can do it too. It's not that hard. You don't have to be a great musician and virtuoso, blah, no. blah, blah, blah. Just do it. And that's yeah. that's that's their legacy. I feel it, like that is the story of U2 and it's the story of The Clash. And those are also bands that claim the Ramones were the reason why. Yeah. 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 In some ways, it's almost the ultimate uh, thanks or acknowledgement is it's, it, you know, it, it didn't translate necessarily into money. But I mean, you want to talk about walking away with your street cred fully intact. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, mean, I don't think yeah. there's anybody that can challenge the Ramones on any level as far as their no. uh, you know, influence. When it's, and when it's the biggest guns. bands in the world that are like exactly the way you just set up, Dave. Yeah, it's the biggest bands in the world that yeah. are giving credit to the Ramones, whether the Ramones are able to make a dime off of just the can't. It's like uh, that's there's no monetary gain from that other than holy shit, you're a bad motherfucker on the street. Yeah, now there's monetary gain. They're selling albums now. Like right. Yeah. So yeah, well, I yeah. just went gold like after forty some years and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, and, and before that, Took I mean, Mania, Mania was the only gold album they had for the longest yeah. time, right? Yeah, and that's yeah. a greatest hits compilation. Yeah. So I yeah. mean, God, these guys couldn't get a break to save that's, their lives. Yeah. The, the, the radio in the states just ignored them. It's horrible. Yeah, yeah. That's and why they were, they were big in South America. So the radio station played it. And the kids loved them, and we could. They were huge down there. Yeah, yeah. I I, I have. Uh, I still have the, uh, it wasn't even a DVD at the time, it was a VHS tape, and there's footage of you guys in South America, Argentina especially, and it's just, like, it's Beatlemania. You can't, yes. even the, you can't even drive the van through the crowd. They're banging on the window. Yeah, that, they're hanging on the roof. That was a painful moment. Giant, giant. Good job, Monty. Good job. <laughs> Meanwhile, I had four security guards. We, we didn't know what was going on at the time. We were there, and all of a sudden, like, there's hundreds of kids outside. That was a one-way street. We had to go... You know, couldn't go straight. I had to make a right turn in this narrow street. I had four security guards go out, try to clear the kids away. So I said, okay, let's let's do it. So we start driving out, make the turn, and this car blocks us. 
So we're stuck there, but and it was scary. We never had this happen before. The kids like banging on the truck in the van. And Johnny's yelling at me, "Good job!" Bud. Like yeah. I have four security guards. They couldn't couldn't do anything when you're stuck in the street like that. You know? Yeah. It was pretty crazy, and it was amazing. The crowds out there. You know? We got kicked out of four different hotels. Then we found a hotel with a big fence around it. We keep the kids back because uh, initially some kids like broke some glass in some hotels. But even at night, the kids were out there like chanting, waking up the people in the hotel. It's like <laughs> amazing how talk about fanatic, fanatic, fans, fanatic. Yeah, it's 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 a bit it's borderline, uh, you know, like zombie <clears throat> apocalypse. But at the same time, it also and this just feels strange even saying this. It also equals one word: love. <laughs> Love, love, yeah, it's love, man. Yeah, true. So, Monty, if 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 nineteen ninety six Monty, uh, who was at the last show, August of ninety six, if nineteen ninety six Monty could go back to nineteen seventy four Monty and impart any words of wisdom about road managing the Ramones, what's the one thing you took away that was the biggest piece of advice the older you would give the younger you? Oh God. That's a rough question. <laughs> Way to go, Dave. Stay away from toilet bowls. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Full circle. <laughs> That's a hard question. I wouldn't really know. I mean, you know, well, I, some, I, I, I mean, it's I, such a uh, journey, you know, over 20 years, you know, just learning the stuff and going, building it up, 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 up. So it's like there was nothing really I could tell my younger guy, really. Yeah, I, I only asked because I, you know, I figured after twenty-two years in the business, you you learn some tricks of the trade that you you weren't quite, you know, clued well, into. In the beginning, it was like rough. I mean, we didn't, I didn't have a. There was no cell phones. I had no computers. I had yeah. to go to AAA and get maps. Yeah. And Xerox them, you know. So it was a different world, basically, you know, to the ninety-six, to, to you know, to seventy-four. Pay phones. Yeah, you know. Mm -hmm. No, it was like raw, but I thought well, they spreadsheet you and record stuff on spreadsheets. Not, you know, computers weren't around. So it was, uh, I mean, I, that was what it was. I dealt with it, you know? Yeah. What's, what's the one time that you guys were out that you were treated like the gods you deserve to be treated like? Was well, like South America, basically. Yeah. So the final. They didn't like that, though. I mean, they, you know, being. They couldn't, Johnny liked to walk around and go outside and you couldn't do that. You couldn't go to any restaurants. You had to clear the restaurant out. In and out of airports, we had to go through the back, you know? Yeah. It was like interesting. I mean, they got a taste of what it was like to be super group, you know? Right. I think Johnny said, no, I don't like this. I want to I want to go out there and walk around and do my own thing. But they, they couldn't. So that's, the, you know, the payment you had to do to be a super group. Me, yeah. I could. I was fine with that. I could go out and do what I wanted. So, yeah. so when they would go back, like say, you know, you go, you know, like six months, a year later, you go back to South America with his eye rolling, and oh, here we go, we're going to sit back door and clear the restaurant. Yes, and, yes, know, the same thing. Security it, and it got bigger they, and bigger, bigger and bigger. They, yeah, at least they well, had. They had. Uh, they'd already been through, been through it a couple of times. They knew what to expect. Yeah, I mean, end up playing the stadium stuff like right. that and working from clubs up you know crazy and uh they were fanatical amazing i i want to 
I want to ask you one last thing, and, and if Jason has something else, we'll, we'll let him chime in after me. But I, one of the things that I always thought was interesting, and I think a lot of Ramones fans find this interesting, is that the last gig was played in Los Angeles, and the, the Ramones are the epitome of a New York band. And they formed in New York. They, they rose through the ranks in New York. They were quintessential New Yorkers. And they played their last gig in L.A., um, and, and Johnny and, uh, Dee, Dee are buried in LA, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And so, so what's, how does that happen? Hollywood, Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Dee Dee's buried it. there. And Johnny has a statue there. Yeah. He's, he's actually, ashes are up in his house there. Well, 96, with the end of the while, Johnny had moved out to LA a few years before the last tour. And 96, the last Lawl Palooza show was out there. So they, Johnny said, well, let's just do the show here, you know. We originally did some Coney Island shows before that, figuring that was the last last shows. But then we got the Lollapalooza tour, which happened to end in L.A. So that's how that happened. I, I, I would have thought, you know, that, you know, maybe they would have made an attempt to, to, to play, take their final bow, if you will, in their home, on their home turf, you know, would have yeah, seen. Yeah, I mean, as I said, initially, they, they figured that Coney Allen shows a week yeah. there as a small club and do that. But then the Lollapalooza show, Johnny said, this is good enough to film the show and have all these special guests there. And Lenny was there. Actually, Didi came out. Sang a song, forgot the lyrics and stuff. But. Nice. I saw he and, came out. He came out and did "Love Kills," right? Yeah, I forgot the lyrics. Yeah, forgot like the lyrics. And then all the people from the Lollapalooza tour came out and did a little shticks there. Lenny, of course, came out and sang sang the song. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was terrific. Yeah. It was a sad uh, thing, you know. The yeah. end. Emotional. Yeah. yeah. Very much so. I, and I imagine for you, knowing this is the end of the road and, you know, after so many years and so many memories and, uh, you, I mean, you, you were, you had to have a little bit of a tear in your eye, I would guess. Yeah, you know, it's emotional. It's yeah. something. I mean, it didn't hit me until a few days afterwards what was going on. Because a lot of times they would say, this is the last show, this is the last show. Yeah. And it never happened, so... Right. This finally happened. That started when Johnny started giving away his equipment, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, you you drove the bus uh, literally and figuratively for 2,200 and some odd shows. And I'm here to say thank you, sir, because I'm a huge thank Ramones fan. Thank you for your fan. service. Yes. <laughs> I am a huge Ramones fan, and I know I'm not alone. And Monty, you know I'm not alone. The world is filled with Ramones fans, and I'm... I understand that it takes more than just the four guys on stage to make it happen. And you are uh, a trooper, 22 years in the trenches with one of the greatest bands of all time. And uh, so thank you, as Jason said, for your service. Uh, thank you for being on our podcast. This is a real honor for, for me, especially. And I, I think I could speak for Jason as well. Yes, sir. Well, you know, also, I mean, in my book, I try to, you know, people go to a show and they see the band on stage. They don't see anything else. But actually, underneath the band, there's the crew, other people there. You have to have a good guitar roadie, a good drum roadie, a good monitor man, a good sound man, a good light man. They're all the people that are involved in the show, not just the band, because the band's very important. But in my book, I try to bring out other people that the foundation underneath the group. Yeah. 
So that's one of the things. And 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 you do. Um, I I do love the fact that your your book is quoting you know road crew and drum techs and you know people that uh, aren't as visible as the band itself. So. Yeah. Um, and again, people can get on, on the road with the Ramones. On the road with the Ramones. Uh, get the one edition. with the red Ramones on it. There you and go. The bonus, bonus edition. Bonus edition. Amazon.com. Amazon.com. 40, 40 new pages of stuff you haven't read yet. So, yeah. Monty, yeah. thank you so much. Uh, I can't thank you enough. This has been amazing. I, I, I've, like I said, I've interviewed various members of the Ramones over the years. Uh, Ida Langsam has been so gracious to me over the years, setting yeah. me up with interviews, and uh, it's great right. to pick your brain because you were you were right there in the middle of it all. And uh, thank you. Yeah, very unique perspective. So thank you for that. Uh, I think we're going to sign off for now. I'm Metal Dave, along with my co-host Jason McMaster, and special thanks to Monty Melnick, ladies and gentlemen. Gaba gaba hey for joining us. Gaba mm. gaba hey in gaba gaba motherfucking hey. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for listening to the Talk Louder podcast. We will catch you next time on the next episode. 